I just think right now, women, especially in business, this is the year of women. I just know that. Life begins at 150 grand a year. Life gets better at 250, and life gets real good at 500. Nobody can tell me differently on it. When you start teaching something, I feel like that's when you start to master the actual art of it. You and I, when we publish a book, we can go toe-to-toe with any of the New York trade publishers, any of the big-time authors, and we get to compete in that marketplace and then let the market decide whether our stuff is good. People forget sometimes as an entrepreneur, the whole damn point of entrepreneurship is to make money. And now here is The Win with your hostess, serial entrepreneur, marketeer, and chief sexy boss. Are you a coach, consultant, small business owner, or online entrepreneur? Do you want to significantly grow your business, triple your list, and double your sales conversions? If the answer is yes, then launching a podcast is the next step. You see, being an expert in your field, having a website is no longer enough to be noticed in today's marketplace. I call it the influencer effect. Being an influencer is the key. You see, people do business with people they know, like, and trust. And having your own podcast helps people to connect with you. If you're interested in having me help you launch your own podcast, grow your influence, and promote your business, then go to InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. That's InfluencerGrowthFormula.com. And let me help you rise to the top. Hi, everyone. My name is Heather Havenwood, and welcome to Like a Boss Podcast. So I am super excited about this interview today, and I mean that. I always say that, but I really do mean that because, um, you know, when we're an entrepreneur, we're constantly creating. And what's cool about this particular show is that I got this thing called Alexa. can't say that that loud because she might start talking to me. But Alexa, and then I started adding different newsflash. And I came across this thing called Crypto Cousins. Actually, it's a four-minute crypto is the name of the show. And this guy named Gary Leland, who I'm going to be interviewing today by Crypto Cousins. And here I am listening to this every single day on my newsflash for at least three weeks. Um, I then put a post out on Facebook and says, hey, you know, I'm looking for people in crypto and blockchain. And guess what happens? Boom, I'm now connected to Gary Leland. So Gary, thanks for being here. Uh, thanks for inviting me on the show. It's always a pleasure. I think there's something really cool about that. When I just kind of found you, I already knew who you were because I listened to your show. And then three weeks later, here you are. I'm getting to interview you. It's kind well, of I thought it was pretty cool because uh, I didn't know you. And I and you and I didn't follow each other we, as far as on Facebook or anything. But uh, yeah. several of my fans from my show or friends or whatever had tagged me in your posts. So I said, well, I'm not sure who this is, but she must be a pretty good cat if uh, if all my friends like her, follow her. So I said, but I said, it must be a pretty good deal. Thanks. Yeah, well, thanks. Friends? Yeah, and I don't even, I, when I posted that, I got like 45 people responded, and I really didn't know half the people. So I appreciate you even reaching out um, to me. It's like, hey, you know, they keep tagging me, and uh, I really appreciate that. This is a lot about who you are and your character, you know, so I really appreciate that. Um, so I want to tell you who Gary Leland is. The other thing that's really cool about Gary is that him and I are both in Texas. So there you go. Yes, yes, we are. And you used to live real close to me, evidently, at one time. I did, Fort Worth, downtown yeah. Fort Worth. You're in Arlington. Eight minutes away from downtown. Yep. It really, which is kind of like, I think Arlington, at least back then, was like a mini Fort Worth. I think it's way more Fort Worth-ish than it is Dallas. 
Oh, yeah, minutes. I think it definitely is, too. It's the best place in the Metroplex, really. I can get the downtown Fort Worth in eight minutes, or maybe 17. Uh, I think it's about 17, and it's about 25 to downtown Dallas. Yeah. So as far as location, it's pretty good. It's pretty awesome. Well, in what are we talking about today? You're you're a diehard entrepreneur. You and I had an amazing conversation. I was taking notes like crazy just because you're a diehard entrepreneur, and I love that. Um, and, and very impressed with who you are as a person. But one of the things that we're going to be talking about today um, is is crypto and why you're so focused on crypto now. But let's kind of set the stage for people so they know who you are. So first of all, you are the founder of Crypto Cousins. You are um, you also produce 4-Minute Crypto. Uh, Gary started his first brick-and-mortar store in 1981, his first e-commerce site in 1996, his first podcast in 2004. Uh, Time Magazine included his podcasting website in their 50 coolest websites in 2006. In 2016, Gary was introduced into the Academy of Podcasters Hall of Fame. In 2017, the mayor of Arlington, um, Texas, proclaimed March 1st Gary Leland Day. I think that's my, I just have to like, just for a second, like that's just, that's just awesome. Thanks. Yeah, that was kind of out of the blue when that happened. I thought my wife was uh, joking me or kidding with me when she told me that the, that they had contacted her. I think she had contacted them, to be honest. She saw someone, I think, that got a day named after him, and they had what they'd done. And my wife was going, they haven't done Jack compared right, right. to you. And so she sent them an email saying, hey, that was really nice. That guy got in there. But, you know, if that guy gets a day, my husband definitely deserves a day. I think it's basically what she said. I mean. I don't know the exact email. And then uh, yeah. I guess they emailed her back and said, yeah, you're right. And uh, so she came and told me and I was like, yeah, right. right." And I was like, oh my gosh, they did. <laughs> it was, it was kind of weird. I just, I mean, I, you're the first person I've met that has a name named after you. I just, mm-hmm. I just want to have a little clap here for a second. I mean, I think, I just think that's awesome. So thanks. Thanks. You're welcome. All right. So a couple things else. He owns and operates two brick and mortar stores. One of them is Leland's wallpaper, which is the largest wallpaper store in Texas, which is says a lot because Texas likes things bigger and better. His other yes. store is a softball junk, which is a sporting goods store dedicated to softball equipment. Both of his stores are in Arlington, Texas. But let's talk about the digital stuff. He produces the Gary Leland Show, the Podcast Ambassador, the Fixer Upper Podcast, the Hometown Podcast, the Fast Pitch Radio Show, the Fast Pitch TV Show, and the co-founder of Podcast Movement. And you still have time to talk to me. (laughs) Yes, and uh, don't forget 4-Minute Crypto and Crypto Cousins Podcast. Yes, yes. We say that again. 4-Minute Crypto and Crypto Cousins Podcast as well because, you know. all right, let's, the thing about uh, you know Fixer yeah. Upper and Hometown Podcasts is those are for TV shows, so I get a long break between seasons. Oh, okay, As that we, makes sense. We talk about every show that comes on after the shows over the next day. We do a podcast about it. about so the, about the show that came out. Yeah, so I get a break on those. Uh, so they don't. I'm just curious from a, a, a legal perspective. They don't because the Fixer Upper podcast they don't come down on you on the name of the show if that's the name of the of the TV show. Uh, neither one of the shows do, and I am pretty in their face, and uh, I know the production company people now uh, pretty well, and uh, I've talked to people from HGTV, and I think because of the fact that I make it really clear that I'm not associated with HGTV at the beginning of every show, and I mean, I'm really clear with that. I always throw out a disclaimer so mm-hmm. that I am not 
associated with them, the show, the production company. And yeah, they, I have not had any issues at all. You know, I, they definitely know who I am too. You've given me an idea because one of my favorite shows, um, there's two, Shark Tank and The Prophet. I love The Prophet. Um, I watch The Prophet occasionally if I see it on the channel. You know, I love um, the profit, yeah. but it's one of those shows that buys businesses or buys yeah. Businesses. yeah, but I can see myself doing a show about the show, you know, like, oh my gosh, that was so brilliant that what Marcus did there, or here's what I would have done differently or, you know, well, what we do is, you know, every show I do is created or produced so I can sell something. You know, I don't really just create shows because I like stuff. I create it with a goal of what I'm going to sell to begin with before I even create the show. I mean, I'm just telling you what I do. I mean, yeah. But like on the Fixer Upper TV show, Joanna Gaines, the star, has three wallpaper books now. And during every TV show, we would go, oh, do you see that wallpaper? What do you think of that wallpaper? My wife and I do those two shows because she's the female end of it. And, uh, what'd you think of that wallpaper in the kitchen? And you know, we'll know what we're going to say and she'll go, Oh yeah, that's out of Joanna Gaines second book. And that's the hometown collection in gray. And we have that book at the website at, you know, fixer up at Leland's wallpaper.com slash Joanna Gaines. Oh, how much is it? We'll talk about it. And I sell actually more Joanna Gaines wallpaper probably than anyone on the planet. Oh, I wow. Mean, I've, never, I've never sold so much of any wallpaper out of any wallpaper book. I bring it in pallets. And uh, that's probably Joanna Gaines wallpaper is probably 20% of my wallpaper business is out of her three books. And I have a thousand wallpaper books because I sell the dog out of it because they hear my podcast. They hear us talking about it and they come to our website. So we use the podcast as an advertising means for the wallpaper store, but I really don't hunt for sponsors on my shows for the most part because I am the sponsor of most of my shows. You know? Well, let's talk about crypto then. Let's talk yeah, about no, crypto. Yeah. And crypto is the same way because we do. We have a mining machine that we sell. We have a conference bit block boom that we promote, but we do special episodes because we have some vendors that want to pay to come on our show, and so we'll create a special episode for them, which we charge them thousand dollars to come on the show. They email What's, us and good. Sorry. So a couple things. I oh, just want to make sure I understand. So you have a mining machine and then we'll talk mm-hmm. about the bit, bit bloom. You said it really fast. What's the bit block boom. That's that bitblockboom.com, And that's, um, you know, we did our first conference in July and I think we could have 120 people in the room and we had 120 people. We sold out and it's a Bitcoin maximalist conference. It was uh, probably one of the first Bitcoin maximalist conferences in the country, which that means is for people only that like Bitcoin. There's no Litecoin, there's no Ethereum, there's no ICOs, nothing. This is a Bitcoin conference only for diehard Bitcoin fanatics. So it's more of a, um, a vanity. Uh, um, it's a smaller conference, um, but it's like, a really good conference. Uh, out of the top 10, I, I'd seen a post the other day, the top 10 people in the world in Bitcoin, and we had three of them at our event, you know, out of the oh, 10 wow. people at our event. You know, three of them were on the list of the top 10. So, so it's, um, I have to ask, because I kind of feel like it's like a, a star tech, tech niche crowd or something, right? Because what would, I mean, people who are fans of Bitcoin, they own Bitcoin. There's obviously more than 125 people. So what's right. unique? Like, what do you mean by they just love Bitcoin and not just holders of Bitcoin, but like, what do y'all talk about for two days? Or- Bitcoin. Just, okay. 
Just Bitcoin. No other crypto. No. Unless it has to. Unless it has to do with Bitcoin. There are there are over a thousand cryptocurrencies. Yeah. Right. And usually, when you go, have you ever been to a crypto conference? Nope, I have not. Okay. When you go to a crypto conference, uh, first of all, most crypto conferences are pay to play, and that means right. unless you buy a table or unless you sponsor them, you can't talk. So you're paying to talk at the conference. And people pay big money to talk at the conference because they're shilling a new ICO, a new crypto coming out that they're going to make $10 million off of. Heck, they don't mind spending a lot of money, you know, because they're going to make a lot of money supposedly. So every crypto conference I've been to has been pay for play. Ours is not. Ours is not only not pay for play, you can't, there's no coins there except Bitcoin out of the thousand coins. Nothing is there but the, so there's okay. no one shilling you a coin. No one saying, "Hey, here's what's up and coming." We're not about blockchain. We're about Bitcoin. Is what this conference is about. And it's called a Bitcoin maximalist conference. Bitcoin maximalist is someone who thinks Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency that will ever be of any importance in the world. That's a group of uh, a genre of people in the world of cryptocurrency or Bitcoin maximalists. I think the phrase was started by the guy who has Ethereum, who built Ethereum, and he started it as an insult. But all the people who love Bitcoin only, like, owned it. And they said, yeah, I am a Bitcoin maximalist. And so they owned the phrase. Say the name again, Bitcoin maximalist. Yes. Okay. Okay. Okay, cool. So if a Bitcoin maximalist was here, standing here, I don't know if that's you or not, give me a reason why it's the that view of like it's the best of the best and what is that what 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 do you mean by that i believe they believe it's the best of the best because it was the first it is the most expensive it is the most uncentralized there's there's a, a, a ton of reasons a bitcoin maximalist would give you for that and they believe all the other coins are just copies of the original article and the original article definitely was bitcoin Okay. Um, so uh, I think they're just saying everything else is copies. Even if you make less of the coins where Bitcoin's 21 million is all they'll ever be, even if you made a coin that there'd only be 5 million of, it still would not be as good as Bitcoin. It's still not be good. Okay. And do you believe that? Or is that, is that, do you have that hardcore belief system too? I'm pretty, I'm a pretty strong believer in Bitcoin. Um, yeah. I don't mind making some money off of where some people won't make any, won't even touch Many Bitcoin maximalists won't even touch another cryptocurrency where I will go in and make some money off of uh, investing and selling in another cryptocurrency. Okay. You know, but I do believe that Bitcoin is the one that is going to be the true digital gold of the future. And I tell people, when people ask me, what's my, you know, when you talk about crypto, people always say, what piece of advice? And they want investing advice, which I'm not an investment advisor. And, but I always tell people my advice is to own one Bitcoin before you buy anything else. Mm-hmm. That if you can only buy $100 worth at a time, keep buying $100 worth until you own one. And when you own one, then maybe think about other coins. But you should own at least one Bitcoin, in my opinion, before you own. But like I said, I'm not a financial. Yeah, that's, a, that's, that's some good, um, I would say advice because that goes into that whole advising world. But that's. It's a good strategy. You know what I mean? That's just in general to understand it. I know when I first bought my first, uh, I don't have a full Bitcoin as they call it. I have percentage and I give my little money every single week that I put in there. There's something about it that happens. It's different. It's like when you're buying your first stock or something, you know, it's, but I, I, 
And by doing that, your dollar can't, you're a dollar averaging your Bitcoin by buying every week like that. You're getting it when it's high, you're getting it as low. So you're averaging it right now. You're averaging it lower and lower because the price has been. I have, I've been buying it $25, not that much every week. $25 worth of Bitcoin could be $10,000 in five years. So let me ask you this question. Um, so people who have not seen your video, you know, you started business in 81. So you're not 25 years old. Yeah, I'm 63. <laughs> okay. You're 63. And I don't mean to highlight your age because it doesn't matter, but I do. It think doesn't it's matter important. to me. It doesn't, but I think it is important. And the reason why it's important is because you have seen more cycle. You've seen yeah, different cycles, so. right? You've seen different cycles and you're an entrepreneur. And in my experience, I think that says a lot that you are so interested in, crypto. And so that's why I wanted to ask you that. You have way more experienced entrepreneurs. You've, you've seen at least two or three cycles at this point, the eighties and the nineties and the 2008, you've seen at least two or three cycles as far as up and down recessions. So why do you think in crypto is so awesome right now? And why are you investing in it? Why are you putting your focus on it? Well, I think a lot of people make a mistake with their thoughts on Bitcoin and they really just think of Bitcoin or crypto, however we want to say crypto, just cryptocurrency. Yes, fine. Yeah, it's crypto as a um, financial thing. And, you know, people were telling me about Bitcoin or crypto when, well, when they were telling me about Bitcoin when it was $100 and I wasn't buying, you know, because I'm not a financial guy. I said, I'm not interested in that. I'm not really good in stocks and stuff like that. I've had some winners, but probably more losers. But then someone explained it to me one day what it really was, and it really held my interest. It's really an internet protocol. It's the only protocol for the internet that was missing was a financial protocol. There hasn't been one. So it's kind of like if you could own part of email, and I'm not talking about part of Google Mail or part of Hotmail or part of Yahoo Mail. I'm talking part of email. And every time email was used, you made money. That is what the crypto is it's an internet protocol and so you can own part of this internet protocol it's like if you could own part of the internet i'm not saying own pets.com but part of the internet there's never been a protocol that you could actually own part of but this is an internet protocol is what it is and it's a financial protocol which there it's the only protocol that was missing was a financial protocol and that's what it is so you're actually owning part of the internet you're owning an internet protocol so if crypto does what I think it'll do, it'll be, and there's a thousand, all thousand of those aren't going to make it. Most of them aren't. But the ones that are, the big ones like Bitcoin, are going to be worth a fortune because they're an internet protocol. Not because they're money, but because of what they actually are, which is the protocol. That's just my thoughts. Okay, no, this but, is great. So this is this is a game changer for me. I've never had anyone describe it before. I'm learning. I'm a baby. I'm a kindergarten. I, I, I am clearly never tell anyone I know what the hell I'm doing in crypto. That's why I reached out to you because uh, I'm asking questions. I'm in that inquisitive stage, uh, right, of what you think it is and, and, and what you're learning too because right. I, I don't know. But protocol, I, I that's interesting to me. Tell me more what you mean by that, the internet well, protocol. like well, You have uh, FTP is a protocol layer right? on the internet. You have SSL. It's a security protocol. There are a lot of protocols on the internet that do different HTTPS. things at different levels. Mm-hmm. That, but like I said, you've never been able to own one of those before. Where this, the, the, really the only protocol that was missing was a financial protocol for money. There wasn't one on the internet. Sure, there were banks that you could use to send money, but they weren't protocols. They weren't part of the internet where this really is a financial e-commerce money. So this is a protocol. You know? So let's go deeper for a second. When you say it's part of the internet, 
I'm having to, my head's trying to wrap around that. What does that mean? It's part of the internet. It means that you can use this to transfer money without a third party. It is person to person. So it's a protocol for doing it person to person without a third party. I don't know if I'm explaining that properly or not, but it's, it's a way of doing it without having someone do it for you. You're not having a bank send money. You're not having PayPal. When you use PayPal, you're not sending the money. PayPal's sending the money and keeping the ledger. You know, because all money has a ledger system. Just right now, we're used to banks, PayPal's, credit card companies. They all keep our ledger system for us. We're right now with the, with, I don't know, I'm going to use the word Bitcoin on this because. Yeah, it's I don't easier. Know. Yeah. Uh, but on the Bitcoin ledger, which is the blockchain, the internet, all the computers on the internet are keeping the ledger. It's a public ledger on the internet that all the computers on the internet are keeping. You know, okay. they keep the ledger. And they all keep a copy of the ledger. And that's what all the miners are. They're transaction. They're processing those transactions, you know, and they all have a full copy of the blockchain on there. And when you spend that money, it goes up in a block and they look at it and they go, okay, this is block number 1,152. He got his money from block number 1,151 and uh, it hasn't been spent. So it's a good transaction and they all approve it and they all put it in their blockchain. You know, because they look back on the other blocks to see if you spent that money already before you got it. Because that was a problem with the e-money, I'm just going to call it, for a, a lack of a better term on my brain right now, is that e-money is really just the internet file. So it it, uh, if it's an internet file, I could just copy $1 a billion times. It's just a file and make me a billion dollars. But because of the fact that I send that the transaction to the blockchain, all the computers, thousands of computers that mine crypto, they all look to see if that transaction has been spent already. And if it has, they kick it out and go, oh, you spent this already, you know? And so it's the internet. Again, that's part of the protocol. And the internet is approving the sale and saying that money hasn't been spent and then putting it in the public ledger that the money went from me to you. And now the public ledger, that's the blockchain says you own that Bitcoin, not me, you know? So it is an internet protocol. I mean, you can transfer money without that. I mean, I could give you, uh, I could put it on a stick and give you the, the, um, the key. Yeah. But give me the key. Like physically, you can say, give me the key. You can give me $10 million in Bitcoin or something. I'm just making right. Well, I can give you the key. The Bitcoin is always on the internet. It never comes off. Okay. It's always on the blockchain. Just who owns that Bitcoin, which is the, the private key states who owns the Bitcoin. And so you have the key to the Bitcoin that says, that's my Bitcoin, Bitcoin number 12,332 or however, you want to, however it's numbered. But that key says you own it, that private key. But it so never, I, the Bitcoin doesn't go on your thumb drive. It stays on the box. So I was at a dinner on Monday night with a bunch of entrepreneurs and one of the gentlemen that was sitting next to me, we got in this blockchain crypto debate. I was in the middle of it. It was like one guy here and one guy here and, there, and one guy here and they're all like kind of having this mini debate slash argument out in the middle of it. Uh, one of the gentlemen that was to my left, he, uh, he's a merchant, right? So he, his, what he makes his living on is credit cards, right? Opening merchant accounts, right. as you know about on e-commerce, right. right? And he takes a percentage of that. And my sister works for Visa. Yeah. It's a big, my sister works for Visa and the merchant side. So very familiar with the merchant side very much. Um, and one of his arguments, the merchant guy who, you know, he sells merchant accounts for a living. He was basically arguing uh, that it'll, Bitcoin will never have a future 
mainly because of how we are as human beings and Visa, and we want to have chargebacks. We want to be able to have that choice of, hey, I bought this and now I don't want to and I want to charge it back. And that's what I think is so great about crypto is you can't have chargebacks. You know, I can't ship someone a $300 softball bat and then they say, oh, I didn't get it. And then I lose my money because I lose most of my chargeback fights. You yeah. know, you know uh, I, I lose way more than I win, you know, it's, and, uh, you know, or else uh, someone steals, especially when someone steals their credit card you know, steals their credit card number and then they'll have it shipped to a front door of a vacant house, you know, and UPS just delivers the stuff and leaves it on the porch. And then they drive by and pick up all the boxes and all these people rightfully so don't want to have pay for someone stealing their credit card, but that can't happen with Bitcoin. You know, they're not going to get your credit card number unless you're a really dummy and you give people your private key, you know, which is like giving them your password to your email. You wouldn't go around giving people your password to your email you're certainly not going to give me your password to your Bitcoin, you know? So, so let's, let's, I want, I want, cause I want to share that debate with you, what his view on it from someone who obviously has a, he makes his living off of merchant accounts. His view was Visa, MasterCard, American Express, Discover, the main merchants, right? Are not going to let this happen. And that we as human beings, as Americans specifically, we want to have the ability to say, I don't want that product. I could reverse it or whatever. Or insurance. American Express is real big on insurance. Now, I, from the business perspective, I hate that because you're right. I'm still dealing with a $2,000 uh, chargeback on American Express from years ago. And it's still like, I didn't win it. You know, it's anyway. Right. I, I, so, I win a few. Yeah, and I mean, we, like, we like don't even ship bats to Florida or California if they ship more than one bat. They buy two bats in the state of Florida and California. We don't even ship it. We just cancel it right off the bat. Even one bat to those states. We go on Google, look at the house, look at it, see where it is. I mean, we spend a lot of time on on that on those two states. That's our biggest fraud. Why California and Florida? Why? I don't. I have no idea. I have no That's idea. Just That's just okay. I can tell you, we have a big thing on the shipping desk. If this is going to Florida, California, do not ship more than one bat. I mean, it's a big sign there, so no one forgets or a new person doesn't mess up in shipping. So it's going to this, so I love the fact that you're on the merchant. You're on, you know, the business owner side, and you're dealing with merchants. And you're you're right. The chargebacks are ridiculous, which costs you a lot of money as a business owner. Right. So let's talk about blockchain then. How can blockchain or cryptocurrency. So please excuse me if I'm saying the wrong thing, but cryptocurrency, how can that help? Or do you think this guy's right saying that Visa and MasterCard will never. I think Visa and MasterCard have more of the fear from crypto than anyone else, to be honest. With you. Okay. They're the ones who have the biggest fear because they're the ones that it'll replace. First of all, if you're, if you're in my situation, do you want to pay three and a half percent on every yeah, transaction no. and then have no. to look up every bat going to Florida to make sure it's not being stolen. Or do you want to like pay a really super small percentage and no one can take the money back, you know, from you, you know? So I think merchants are going to really like crypto way more than anyone else. Banks. I don't think banks are going out of business. They're going to figure out how to make money off of this too. You know, they're going to get involved with crypto and Bitcoin and figure out how to make some money off that. But I think anyone's going to get hurt. It's credit card companies, but you already see credit card companies like Visa did some patents the uh, last week or the week before for Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. So they're already getting their patents. So they must feel like there's something there or they wouldn't be going through the trouble to get patents, you know, mm -hmm. on uh, methods of using blockchain and crypto. Okay. So, but I think that the person that would get hurt, the companies that would get hurt the most 
would be credit card companies, in my opinion. And I, mean, I can't d- wait for the day. I mean, wouldn't that be here's how I see it. Tell me if I'm, but like, if I go to your e-commerce store, your softball e-commerce store, and I can, I mean, I can pay with Bitcoin or visa, you know, you can can go to baseballjunk.com, my site there and you can pay with Bitcoin. You can pay Bitcoin. Okay. So what's the advantage of me paying with Bitcoin as a consumer? Well, for right now, it's a lot of people who got a lot of Bitcoin when it was 50 cents and a dollar. And it's worth $6,000 and it's not a lot of places for them to spend their Bitcoin, you know? So, and you got to realize where we're at right now in the world of crypto and stuff. Where are we at? We're in the year, if we were to kind of compare this to being on the internet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I started my first e-commerce site in 96 and everybody told me I was an idiot. People wouldn't buy stuff on the internet is what they all told me. And I said, well, I would buy stuff on the internet. And that website's been up since 1996. People do buy stuff on the internet. We know now. In hindsight, it seems stupid. I think right now we're in 1991. Really? The Netscape browser hasn't come out yet. So if you remember, uh, and you may not, but the internet before the Netscape browser came up, I mean, you couldn't have pictures on it. You couldn't do a lot of things. And the Netscape browser is what started the whole revolution is the internet we know it today. The internet was there. But it was, you couldn't, it was just numbers and stuff. But yeah. when the browser came up and you could see pictures, it took forever for them to download, you know, on a 12K modem, but you could see them. But we're in, like I said, 91 maybe. So we haven't even hit 96 in the world of crypto. Now, the world of crypto is moving really fast. So 96 could happen next year or the year after. But when that Netscape moment happened in the world of crypto, that's going to be when, when that Netscape happened in the internet, it went from a small amount of people, early adopters, to millions and millions and millions of people. And when that moment happens in crypto, that's when it's just going to go off the wall because there's only 21 million Bitcoin. That's all there'll ever be. And they say 4 million have been lost. So that means there can only be 17 million. When that Netscape moment happens and people say, I need to get a Bitcoin, and so governments are millionaires. Let's just say millionaires say, hey, I need some Bitcoin in my, my portfolio. I'm a multimillionaire. I need some Bitcoin in my portfolio just to cover my bases. I better have a few. They're not going to buy one, right? They're going to say, I better have a few. And there are way more than 17 million millionaires. So there's not enough Bitcoin for every millionaire to have one. So when that Netscape moment happens, it's going to be Katie bar the doors. That's what I believe. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what bo- most people who are really avid and hardcore crypto people believe. And whether you want to call it go- digital gold for holding on to it, whatever you want to call it, it's going to go Katie bar the door when that moment happens. I love Katie bar. Okay, so I didn't know there was only 17 million. What well, there's 21 there's- million that can ever be made. Okay. The, the last one will be mined in the year 2140. Okay. That's when the last Bitcoin in existence will happen is in the year 2140. Right now, there's 17 million. And out of the 17 million that there are right now, 4 million have been lost. How do you lose them? Well, uh, for instance, a guy threw away a computer with 4,000 Bitcoins on them when they were 50 cents, you know, or 25 cents. You know, that happens. People, people lose their private keys so they can't access it. But that happens over time, you know, and usually it happened when Bitcoin was really inexpensive. You know, and people are going, oh, I lost $100 worth. I lost $50 worth. It's not worth it the trouble of the guy. I, I believe the guy who lost the, threw the comp- laptop away with 4,000 Bitcoins 
they that is worth now. I, I, I don't hold me on this exactly, but maybe like eight million dollars, ten million dollars, or something. They tried to rent the dump for a year because they knew what level it would be at from the time period it uh, was thrown away where they were working at, and the city wouldn't lease them the dump. They offered to lease the dump for a good amount of money because they knew that they got the computer, and if the Bitcoin was still on there, it would be worth twenty times what it would cost to lease the dump. <laughs> you know, so but but really. Right now, if you take the lost Bitcoin, there are 13 million Bitcoin in existence and there'll be 17 million. When and they say um, John Maccabee is a mathematician and you can, I guess, work on how many Bitcoins are processed a day because every four years there's half as many Bitcoin given out. Okay. Uh, per day. And by the year 2140 comes when that last Bitcoin is there. The last one, everybody's fighting for this one last Bitcoin, okay? All these miners across the world, uh, they said that Bitcoin is going to cost like a million dollars or $5 million to mine. So to make that Bitcoin, mine that Bitcoin, to get it, you're going to pay a million dollars. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if that Bitcoin costs a million dollars, if you got to pay a million dollars to mine it, it's going to have to be worth some big money. Right. So you mentioned Informative Crypto this week about the guys who created Bitcoin. I thought this is, there was an article about, um, I thought it was about BitPay. I thought it was about BitPay and Visa and they were getting into BitPay. That's what I thought it was about. I can't remember it was this morning. Let me see if I can make some notes of it. Um, I thought it was about that. I could be really wrong. I guess I'm wrong. Yeah. But it, I thought it was about BitPay. No. BitPay, right? No, I didn't do anything about BitPay. In the you didn't last. do BitPay. Well, BitPay, I, from, do you know anything about BitPay? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what is BitPay? Because I don't understand. Someone just told me like yesterday to go get it. So I'm still like learning what that is. Well, as far as I knew, BitPay is just a processing uh, exchange for Bitcoin, I, I thought. But he said that I could, you know, put the Bitcoin on a, like, let's say a credit card, and then I could go to a okay, Bit. yeah. Yeah, and withdraw dollars. Like I can was actually draw dollars from it. Well, what you do is, and Coinbase used to have this, and there are a couple of people that have this, but you, uh, I don't know how BitPay does theirs, but the concept is, I can tell you how Coinbase does theirs. It's the same concept. You get a credit card. And Coinbase, uh, you put your money in Coinbase in their wallet, and let's say you put a Bitcoin in there, for instance, and then they give you a credit card. It's a, it's a Visa card or MasterCard. I can't remember which one. Um Hold on, I have one. I have oh, one you have one. Oh, cool. Yeah, I can tell you what it is. I wonder if it's probably MasterCard. I don't think it's Visa. Here it is. It's a Visa card. There it is. Oh, wow. Check it out. Card. Shift. Okay. okay. I can take this Visa card and I can go to any store and buy anything I want. And they receive cash. They don't receive Bitcoin. And it takes Bitcoin out of my account. So it automatically pulls out, if I bought something for $1,000, it pulls out $1,000 worth of Bitcoin, turns it into cash, and gives the merchant cash. But it's really not that big a deal. I mean, it's like when you go to Europe and you use your credit card, your credit card's got dollars on it, right? Yeah. It's not like when you buy a hat or a, a purse and you go to the Louis Vuitton store and you buy a purse in Europe. It's not like that vendor the next morning, the guy who owns the store, goes, ah, I got these U.S. dollars. What am I going to do with these? I made $5,000 a day and I got 50 U.S. dollars. Now, he gets, he gets uh, European money, you know, right. euros. Right. So it happens already there. I mean, the principle is automatically the bank 
converts your dollars into euros and gives him euros. It doesn't give him dollars. And you go, I got to figure out how to get rid of these dollars. I hate these dollars. I got to get rid of them every day. So it's the same principle. It's just not converting dollars to euros or dollars to pounds or dollars to whatever. It's converting Bitcoin to dollars. And I'm sure in Europe, it converts Bitcoins to pounds. So in that case, the merchant, like the business owner itself, they, they would t- hit, take the hit just like they do in a dollar exchange. They would take the percentage and take the hit. So in a way, yeah. Visa is already in the business, right? They're already in the business of, of exchanging Bitcoin or Ethereum or whatnot into yeah. dollars. They're already, they they're already in the business. But you'll have people like, I, I don't know how BitPay does. Like I said, this is Coinbase. I don't know if BitPay is a Visa card or not. But I would think you'd eventually get exchanges doing their own card. They don't need the bank. I mean, they really don't need the bank. They got, I mean, you know, like Binance is bigger than most banks already. And they've already been doing crypto for a year or two. And they're bigger than most banks in the country. You know, they're not going to need Visa or anything. They're going to use their own card and pull it out of their own wallet. Why would they want to go through Visa? I mean, you know. What is it called? Binance? Binance, they're one of the biggest um, crypto exchanges. He started that blockchain. like a year or two ago. They're in Malta now. Blockchain and crypto asset exchange, Binance. So let's talk about the blo- blockchain. Mm-hmm. So if you said that crypto is like a protocol on the internet, what's blockchain? It's part of the protocol. Okay. It's, it's part of the protocol. You know, basically, like I said, blockchain solves the double spending problem in Bitcoin. And okay. the easiest way to... One of the ways I explain this, let's say all the internet was kept on uh, right now, all the internet, all these pictures are on the internet of Abraham Lincoln. Okay. Abraham Lincoln's on Wikipedia. It's on the Congress website, the presidential hall of fame. It's everywhere. All these. And I wanted to like fool everyone and say, I want everybody to think Abraham Lincoln looked like me. So I started hacking into all these websites and changing out pictures of Abraham Lincoln to Abraham pictures of Gary Leland with a stovepipe cap. And I really had a whole team here. We just were hacking everywhere we could to change the pictures of Abraham Lincoln to pictures of Gary Leland. Well, I couldn't hack into enough websites fast enough to change that because people would be going, hey, that's not Abraham Lincoln, that's Gary Leland. Let's check another website and see, yeah, there's a real Abraham Lincoln. You know, this, this is some cat who's hacked in our website and that's kind of right. what the blockchain is. It's all these things. You can't hack into enough of them and change them. You, know, you can start hacking into them and say, I own that Bitcoin, not Gary, but you can't hack into enough of them, you know, fast enough to do it. You would have, that would be called a 51% attack, and you just can't do it. There's not enough computers or enough speed to hack into all those websites and change the ownership. And the blockchain because the are blockchain the- talks to each other. They're consistently talking to each other, right? Right. All the computers on the network talk to each other, and they agree as to what is um, – who owns the crypto. Who owns and if the they crypto? See, if they see a bad element, they'll kick them out, and they might kick the element out for a day, a month, a year, forever, according to how bad they think the element was. You know, the character actor was, the bad actor. So like, the- I was changing all the pictures of Abraham Lincoln. They keep me out forever. So there's two guys, the two guys who started Bitcoin. They're like brothers, right? No, no, no. There's uh, no one knows who started Bitcoin. It was uh, the name that is used is Satoshi Nakamoto, but that's a fake name. Nobody knows if it was a guy, if it was a girl, if it was a group of people. No one knows. You're thinking about the Winklevoss twins? Yeah, the, yeah, they're, that's who. Yeah, they're the first Bitcoin billionaires. 
you know, and uh, they were the ones that sued Mark Zuckerberg over Facebook, claimed that they came up with Facebook and he stole their idea. And they bought into Bitcoin when it was like 50 cents, bought tons of it, you know, so they have, and they've got their Bitcoin, you know, on private wallets all over the world and vaults all over the world from what I read. So they don't even have it one vault in one country. They have it dispersed among the whole world, you know. Okay. So we go, so we don't, so there's not, a, there's not a known person or entity that created. No, no one has heard from Satoshi Nakamoto since 2010, but so, he does have 1 million Bitcoin. So he would almost be, if he's not now, he would soon be the richest person on the planet, whoever he is. It, do you think that this person or persons created, found Bitcoin or, or blockchain? He, created Bitcoin. he definitely created Bitcoin and blockchain. It All was, his notes. And uh, if you go to the website for the Satoshi Nakamoto Institute, they have his white paper. He came out with a white paper like in 2000, I'm guessing six on Bitcoin, a peer to peer money system. And they have copies of all the emails from people he was talking to, to help him on certain tweaks. Uh, and he was very emailed a lot. And like I said, in 2010, um, there was a guy and uh, I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but the CIA had asked him to come explain Bitcoin. And he told him I am going to the CIA asked me to come explain Bitcoin to them. And so I'm going to let you know I'm going down there whenever and doing it. And they, no one never heard from Nakamoto ever again. That was the last conversation with Satoshi Nakamoto was when he was told that uh, this guy was going to explain Bitcoin to the uh, CIA. Yeah. No one ever heard from him again. No one knows who he is. Like I said, all I know, uh, all anyone knows about him now is he has 1 million Bitcoins and it's $6,325 times a million. That's a lot of money. And he's never spent one Bitcoin either. So he's probably dead. Maybe he, spent, he spent the first one, you know, to prove it worked. You know, um, but that's it. Yeah, I don't know. He's dead. Could be. That would be another mil million Bitcoin missing then. Then that means there only can be 16 million Bitcoin. Right, right. It's like Assad, you know, not Assad. Um, uh, the guy in, I, for I forgot his name, the WikiLeaks. Some people do think he's dead because they think that someone would have spent something by now. Right. You know? But I, I would think that if, if we saw one of the first million Bitcoin, because you know, people would know right away and they'd say, oh my gosh, Satoshi Nakamoto spent his Bitcoin because it's one of the first million that were ever processed. You, you know who's his. I think it would cause panic and the price of Bitcoin would fall like no tomorrow because all of a sudden people are going, is he going to spend a million of them? Is he going to cash them in, which would drive the price down if a million Bitcoin hit the market? You know, people would just panic. Yeah, it would cause panic. Just the fact that all of a sudden, one of the first million Bitcoins moved would cause definite market panic. Really? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, would, I do think so. And then maybe over time, they go, okay, he's not spending them all. And, but I think right off the bat, it would cause market panic. That's interesting. I didn't know that that was a story. I, didn't, mm -hmm. I, I just had no idea what the story yeah, was. Yeah, it's a fact. I mean, it's a fact. It's, or the fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And what year, was, what year did it all kind of come out? Uh, what does that mean, come out? Start. When did it start? When did Bitcoin really 2006, start? 2006, I think. 2006 maybe okay um maybe so right before the crash i mean this crash happens 07 08 well when when the crash happened then then that's when it came out that's what caused uh, that's when it came out is when the crash oh eight when, oh eight when, i got caught in that bush, so when the bush presidency 
was crashing at the end and Obama took over. That's when, it, I think when the, Oh wait, maybe when the banks got all the bailouts, you know, that time period, all that was happening is when this all came out. So that was a seven Oh eight. Yeah. So that, that movie, the short, the big short. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. Movie. I kind of laid my life. Like I don't know if you watch the movie, but they had all these dates that happened, you know, like, and this is the date, this and this, I mean, my life was like on top of that because I lived in Florida. And so I was going through that process in, um, of 708, going through foreclosure and bankruptcy and all that. So uh, I remember all those dates. <laughs> my favorite scene of that movie, though, was when uh, the guys were down in Florida and in West in, in East Florida. And they were talking to some strippers and how they were like, oh, yeah, I own four houses. That was normal. I knew friends that owned 10, 15, 20 houses. Right. You know, Before and then they they just basically walked into the bank and one guy just walked into the bank and said, here's your keys. <laughs> he just walked out. Right, Cause he was are. like, I'm not going to try to deal with this. Like, it's just, it's just ridiculous. You guys, yeah. here's your keys. I'm just doing you a favor and giving you the keys. So you have to chain the locks. Right. Right. Like you here, know, you're just, you're in, you're in Austin. You should, uh, you know, uh, in October is the Texas Bitcoin conference in Austin. I didn't know that. Well, I'm going to write yeah. that down. So it's at texasbitcoinconference.com. I'm speaking at it. What? And, uh, you may want to, um, if you're in Austin, if I was in Austin, I definitely would go. Texasbitcoinconference.com. Okay, there it is. I learned so much. And there you are. Look at that. Register now. Oh, my gosh. Past speakers. And there's the. There's the up and down of Bitcoin. So let's talk about this real quick and then I'll let you go because I appreciate your time so much. But um, as people know, uh, Bitcoin went up to what, 13,000 or something, 12,000? 20,000. 19,900 or something. So what's driving the up and down? Well, a lot of people say the um, up on that was because of the fact you could buy futures. Mm-hmm. You could buy um, Bitcoin futures. And so the banks were driving up the prices so they could short it. So they were buying all the Bitcoin. This is what a lot of people believe. When they announced, when the CBME OE announced uh, they were going to have futures, Bitcoin futures, I mean, you could short Bitcoin or you could say Bitcoin's going to go up and invest in Bitcoin. That all oh, the people with big money were buying the dog out of Bitcoin, knowing that would drive the price up. And so they were buying it cheap, driving the price up, and they were shorting Bitcoin, saying that it's going to be worth less, you know, in six months or whatever. Then when it got up to the top, they sold the dog out of it, made all that profit, drove the prices down, and then won on their bets by shorting it. Ah. It's still at this moment easy to manipulate the Bitcoin or any crypto market. So that is a point. So, you know, um, where Bitcoin maximalists really buy crypto Bitcoin and they just hold it. They aren't buying. They aren't selling. They don't care what the price is. They don't care if it's 20000 or if it's 1000 or more. They don't care. They don't even really keep up with it. Because they just believe long term, they're going to be rich by owning Bitcoin. So they don't care what it does. They don't care if it drops to $1,000 or more. If it goes to 50000 they don't care. They're just holding on to their Bitcoin because they think it's going to be worth millions. You know, they're true okay. Bitcoin maximalists, I would say. Things. Yeah, true. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to share something with you, with people that are listening. So you can find him at CryptoCousins.com. And I'm looking at his about page, uh, CryptoCousins.com forward slash about. And make sure you do subscribe to his four minute crypto uh, news briefings. They really are awesome. I listen to mine every day. And uh, what I think is really cool on his about page at the very bottom, it actually has donations and it has this very long key. Looks like 
one for Bitcoin, one for Ethereum, one for Litecoin, one for Dash. So this is, explain to people what that is if they don't know what it is. Well, if you own some cryptocurrency, you have it in a crypto wallet, you know, a safe place. It's called a wallet. And you can send uh, Bitcoin or crypto from one address to another. Just like an address is like an email. Just like I can send an email to you. Well, you can send Bitcoin to me using my address, which is the long set of numbers. Yeah. It's my wallet. So uh, on, on crypto, you have a public address, which is like your email address you give people. You say, hey, send me an email at GaryLeland at gmail.com. Well, I might say, send me Bitcoin at AB1645, blah, 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 blah. But then you have your private address, which is like your password, which you never give out because if you give out your password to your email, someone can go in and use your email account. If you okay. give out your password to your Bitcoin, someone can come in and take your Bitcoin. So it's the same principle as email because, like I said, it's like an internet protocol. It's the same principle. You have a public and a private. And that's my public address. You know, so if you wanted to send me an email, you'd send it to GaryLeland.com. If you wanted to send me crypto, you'd send it to one of those addresses. And it'll just appear in my wallet. I'll uh, look one day and I'll say, oh, look, I made some money. I won't know cool. who sent it, uh, but I'll know I made it. So, you know, when they send money, they usually say, hey, I sent you some money. Oh, that's cool. I love that. Yeah. I just think it's interesting that you put your uh, the number on there. And I think a lot of people aren't used to that. That's really cool. So I just yeah. wanted to wrap things up. Uh, Gary, thank you so much for having... Oh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I always enjoy chatting about crypto. It's it's fun and it's different. And I'm not really exact on all my figures. I'm letting everybody know right now. I may have been off on dates, you know, but I'm just working off the top of my head. I don't have any notes in front of me. So if, you know, Toshi Nakamoto came out with it in 2007 instead of eight, cut me some slack here. You know, but I'm pretty close on everything. Yeah, please. Yeah, seriously, we're having conversations. It's not exact information. Exact. We don't, you know, but I, I agree with you. And, you know, that's what's interesting. I mean, I was uh, obviously around during the, you know, early 2000s and the dot-com boom and bust. And if I knew now what I knew then kind of thing, I would have done things a lot differently. So I feel like that's where we're at with crypto. And so when you said you're, we think you think we're like 1991, I was surprised by that because I really thought we were more like 1999 or 2000, you know, like in the AOL stages. I don't think, I don't think that browser AOL browser has happened yet. Okay. That's interesting. We got bail. Closer. I think they're getting closer. Yeah, that was. Oh, that noise. But you're getting closer to uh, to that because now you're getting, you know, like you can get the Abra app on your phone where you can transfer money from your bank or put credit card in there and buy crypto and you can exchange it inside the app. You know, so it's all starting to develop, but I still don't think it's there yet because it's not intuitive for people who know, know nothing about it. Yeah, so no, it's be, someone can go, hey. I can figure this out and I have no idea what I'm doing. They don't need to know that there's a private key. They don't need to know there's that long set of numbers. You know what I mean? They don't yeah. need to know there's like a QR code I can scan to send someone money. They, that's all the stuff that's really still hard. When all that gets, and when people are spending Bitcoin and crypto and they go, oh, I've never seen that QR code. What is that for in Bitcoin? I didn't know you could use one. When that happens, that means it's easy enough that anyone can figure it out. Right. It, yeah, that's, that's so true. And by the way, I remember those days when I was on the internet. I was like, and then we only had one phone line in the house. And then my, you know, my, when my parents would pick up the line to make a call and then it would 
kill off the internet. <laughs> yeah, and you couldn't leave your internet at all on time, even if you had an extra phone line for it. It would cut off after a while. Then. Yeah, it would cut off because I would. <laughs> yeah. Back then, I was doing chatting with a guy in Maryland, and it would cut off. Yeah, so anyway, I just. Oh my god, I'm I'm totally dating. Yeah, so I was telling someone the other day. I saw someone at the podcast movement, and I was telling him. I said, you know, you were the first friend I ever made on the internet. I still remember that because that was kind of a weird deal to me. I had a friend that I had not met in person. You know, I thought that was a weird deal at the time, which now I have, what, 5,000 friends yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, yeah, So, uh, yeah, but at the time, that was really, I remember telling him, I said, wow, you're like my friend, and I've never met you before. This is really odd, <laughs> you know? It seemed odd at the time. There, you know, there was a, a image I saw today on Instagram, which I just found funny. So the title was, how we used to unfriend people and it had a picture of a yearbook and it had someone like scratch out people's bits. Uh, how we unfriended people. Like I was like, that would be a good, uh, a good <laughs> it was just like a picture of a snapshot of a yearbook. And someone's like, I don't like that friend. I'm just going to raise their people, you know? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's kind of how it works. Now it's like, Oh, unfriend, you know, but, but you know, um, another thing about the, that, that got me thinking on, on crypto. You know, when I was a kid, uh, Coke cost six cents. You'd put a penny and a nickel in a Coke machine. And so that was 50, let's say 55 years ago, you know? So in 55 years, a Coke has gone from six cents to three bucks. Uh, okay. Just use that number. Maybe it's three fifty. maybe it's five bucks. I don't know what it is. I don't course, even know. I you, go to, like, you go to the Dallas Cowboy football game, it's $7. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jerry but, Jones is going to get his money yeah. from you. <laughs> but if you use that $3 and say, how many times is that? It's gone up in price, 30 times in price. I mean, oh my God, I you know, is, maybe yeah. 40 times. So now take $3 and multiply that by 40 times. So in 50 years, a Coke could be $150. If inflation only stayed the same as it was the last 50 years. So if it only stays what it was the last 50 years, in 50 years, a Coke cost, most people don't think about that. Coke costs me $150. But I bet you inflation moves at a faster rate because we've printed so much money. And that's what Bitcoin people believe, that dollars backed by the government are going to become worthless because there's so many of them eventually, that all these dollars all across the United States, all across the planet, all these dollars that China owns, every country you go to has dollars. And have you ever gone to a country where you really, there weren't dollars? They're there everywhere just about. When all those come home, it's going to be like Venezuela. There's going to be so many dollars that people will be making purses out of the dollars are using it in confetti at baseball games because confetti costs more than Venezuelan dollars cost. So, I mean, it's like the lady was going to buy a cup of coffee with a wheelbarrow of Venezuelan dollars. And they said, aren't you worried about someone stealing all that money? I mean, she had a wheelbarrow full of money. And she said, no, I'm worried to go steal my wheelbarrow. No one's going to steal my money, you know, because I can only get a cup of coffee with this whole wheelbarrow. But they might steal my wheelbarrow so they can haul their money around. And that's what people fear happening in the U.S. And that's why a lot of people, and that's why a lot of people are into Bitcoin. Okay. I, I really, I don't think I ever told you that. That's no, I lo- no, that's a great analogy. I didn't really think about that. I didn't know that. So like I said, but if you just use that multiplier, a Coke has gone up 30 times from six, fifth, six cents to $3. That's probably cheap for a Coke. Right. Over the last 55 years, take the next yeah. 55 and use that same inflation rate but you're starting at $3 now. Right. But, you know, gold, the dollar was backed by gold until 1974. So for the first 20 of those years of my life, 
the dollar was backed by gold, so you didn't have high inflation rate, really. So a lot of that happened from 1974 till now. So now this next 55 years is all going to be at the inflation rate without dollars being backed by gold. So it probably will be higher over the 50 years. So the, the, the Coke's probably going to cost you $200, you know, come that time period. That's crazy. But, it's just that math. Makes, it's like no, thank you for that explanation. Cause that makes, I don't know. That makes logical sense for me. That makes sense. I mean, and I, 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 I can understand. Like I said, I'm just using the inflation rate of what a Coke yeah. went up and during my lifetime. Yeah. But let's start at $3. Right. And do the same math. Uh-huh. It's 150 bucks. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, so even if inflation doesn't increase, it's going to be 150 bucks. It's still going to be dollars for a Coca-Cola. Like for if it stays the same as it has the last 50 years, which it mm-hmm. wasn't that high for most of the 50 years. Mm-hmm. So that's a lot of money. So you got to start stocking up on Cokes. Or your yeah, Coke like, let's do some Cokes. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. All right. Well, we can talk about this forever. And I just thank you again for being here. Yeah. Um, I enjoyed it. You're welcome. Crypto and uh, so cryptocurrentcousins.com. Yeah. And, and tell, can I say, can I say if anyone has an Alexa, did yours go off? I was hoping yours would go off. No, but no. if you have an Alexa, go to four minute crypto.com slash Alexa. And you can uh, subscribe to my morning news brief. And every morning you can just say, Alexa, what's my news? And it'll give you one crypto article every day. So I just wanted to let you know that I do that every morning. And so in the Alexa, the news briefing, you can tell Alexa what you want for a second and third to hear. Uh, so my order is uh, weather. I want to know like what the weather is today. And then I get Trump tweets. Oh, yes. <laughs> someone reads me the Trump tweets. And then I that get... Smart. That was a smart one for someone. That's that. a smart one. Yeah. Because look, yeah. you can say love or not, but... Like he drives the media. So I feel like if I could know what he says first, it's going to reflect what the news is. So, and then I get, um, I get yours. Uh, and then I get the wall street journal. Well, I'm ahead of the wall street journal. That makes yeah. me feel good. And the yeah. reason I do that, yours is a little quick. Yours is quicker than theirs. Yeah. And there's I try to keep mine at around three minutes. Yeah. Theirs is a little longer and they have stories and I do, then I do CNBC after that. And then I'm done. Right. I have you become know, a, that thing it was going to be five minute crypto but someone already owned that domain name so it became oh, okay minutes. now it's four minute crypto <laughs> you do <laughs> that was cute well i'll make it four um yeah that's pretty cool so i have to say that's pretty much so check them out on on, on alexa um because i can't say it. she's over there she'll start talking um so check well, that's worse i changed we have two in the house my wife's is alexa so they only give you choice of names so i chose computer oh my gosh mine comes on all the time yeah, every TV show, especially like Star Trek, you know, because they're going, computer, how far are we? No, my, my Alexa comes on because I named it computer. You named it computer? Choices. Computer. We only have like four choices. And when it was Alexa, oh, okay. both of them came on, you know, because we both have one. You know, she has hers and I have mine. Yeah, so have, oh, that's so cute. You each have your own Alexas. <laughs> that's like kind of adorable. Yeah, like we, his we and her. Listen, listen to different music. We have different news briefs. We have different things. So his and her closet kind of thing. It's kind of cute. <laughs> and, but they're both side by side. So like I said, they can't be Alexa because they both went off. You know, they both would go off at the same time. Uh, that's awesome. All right, all right, Gary, you're awesome. Go ahead and stop the recording. This is Heather Havenwood. Check it out at heatherhavenwood.com. Also, check me on out on Alexa. Go to heatherhavenwood.com forward slash Alexa, and you'll find me there too. But check out Larry and check out his um, 
Alexa as well. So that's four minute crypto.com forward slash Alexa. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, perfect. I want this Heather Havenwood. Check me out at heatherhavenwood.com. Thank you for listening to Like a Boss, helping you rise to the top. Join Heather's Mastermind at InfluencerTribe.com, where she helps you become an influencer and dominate your field. Follow Heather Havenwood on Instagram. Interested in interviewing or scheduling a call with Heather? Go to CallWithHeather.com. For more, go to HeatherHavenwood.com.